You got down before I had a chance to say hug somebody. So you can, if you can hug somebody seated, that'll work. But you need to hug somebody. No, I'm gonna. Everybody, hug somebody. Find somebody. I'll take you. There you go. How you doing? Yes, sir. Good to see you, Nathan. My friend who was on our pastoral team, when he would counsel people, he'd have a little, a little stuffed animal, and he'd start by taking the animal and just throwing it at him, and he, he could see whether or not there was a, a childlikeness or a playfulness in them by how they responded to that, if it made them uncomfortable, that probably, you know, they, there was something that needed to be set loose in their heart, that they lost their childlikeness, lost their playfulness. So Paul said, when I was a child, I thought like a child, reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. So it's good to give up childishness, but not good to give up childlikeness. And childlike child children are playful, which is obvious to us. They see the balloons. And they know that means play. So I think that we're going to do a lot of playing in heaven. We're also going to do work. Don't think you're going to get out of work because there's going to be work in the new earth. going to be responsibilities. Those who are faithful are going to have authority over ten cities. That sounds like work, but I, it'll be fun work. So uh, Naomi probably already started. To, did you start it around, Naomi? So if you're new or if you're not receiving the weekly updates, uh, the update last week came on Saturday night. You got it. So, But you got it. It was there when you got up this morning. Also, we really encourage people to get mentors. I mentor and I have a mentor. And I'd encourage you uh, in the same way. In fact, I have more than one. I have a peer mentor and I have someone who is... Uh, above and beyond me. So I didn't encourage that for everybody. I don't care what your age is. You're not as old as I am. And uh, you are? I'm 69. Okay. Take it as a compliment. Anyway, uh, I'm going to pass this around. If you are in a place where you would like to mentor, and it's wonderful if people who are receiving mentorship mentor as well so if you're if you're in a position where you can mentor I'd like you to put your name down and if you want to be a mentor and we'll see if we can uh, put some people together we'd love to do that so I'm going to pass this around we'll start in the choir and then uh, we'll move it over here
Okay. Well, I get to introduce this guy that I've known for a lot of years. I knew him when he was at St. Olaf College. I think we came down there, Gary and I. Were you around when Gary and I came down? Were you there too? You, you went to? And you were there. Yes. And no, she wasn't there. Okay, you were there. She was there. Sarah's my niece. My brother's middle daughter, and, and they just came back from Japan, so I know you weren't going to probably add that part, or I in case you forgot. So and she's due in two and a half weeks, so we're blessing her, and very excited that they're back. And that she... So we bless Sarah, uh, soon to deliver their third child within uh, two weeks or so. And so Ben, the another another reason it was uh, uh, it's fun to have Ben here because then he went to the seminary. He and his friend Andrew Anderson went to the seminary that we started together and uh, did very well there. And then they planted a church and then they went to Japan and now he's back. And so we want to bless him as he comes to bless us. He's a gifted leader, gifted speaker. And we look forward to him sharing with us about hearing the voice of God. But we want to pray for him. They're now in transition and they're uh, looking to see uh, of the uh, different possibilities. He has some possibilities now. So uh, pray that the Lord will guide him. Father, we thank you for Nate. We thank you for how you've schooled him and that uh, you're carving out your purpose for him. And uh, he's got a message to bring, not just today, but a life message that comes out of uh, what you have given to him and what he has suffered, what he has gone through. We thank you for endurance that has been placed in his heart. He's in this for the long haul. We thank you for his family. We bless the addition that is coming to this household, Lord. We bless that addition coming. We say, come right at the right time. And we say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We receive what the Lord has you to give to us today, Nate. Welcome. Amen. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you, Uncle Paul that introduction, although I prefer when people introduce me as a mediocre speaker, because then you actually can rise above, potentially. <laughs> Gifted speaker, then the bar is high, and then it's like, I gotta try to be good. Um, if, you know, somebody were to, if, if this cup were to find coffee in it at some point, but via natural or supernatural means, I would be very grateful. <laughs> Thanks, Mom. Thanks, Mommy. Mommy, I want cream in my coffee. That's my mom. Um, hi. How you doing? Hi. Everybody awake? I will be as soon as this next cup of coffee comes. Um, we are going to talk about how to hear the voice of God and how to help others to hear the voice of God, which I think is pretty important. Um, in my opinion, learning how to hear God's voice along with 
understanding the love of God for us and understanding the grace that Jesus brings us. Those, I think, personally, those are probably three of the most important things. That's good. That's good right there. I can, I can wander towards the coffee. I usually do. I think those are three of the most important things that we can learn and that we can teach other people. Um, and, you know, it doesn't depend on maturity or on whether or not you're charismatic or not or what tribe you're from or what race you're from or what your gender or name or favorite sports team is, although if it's not the Vikings, you're crazy, but just kidding. Um, so how to hear God's voice, understanding God's love for us, and understanding the grace that Jesus gives us through the cross. I think those are three of the most important things. We're only going to talk about one of them. So if you want the other two, you're going to have to have me back later. Um, Ooh! It's called a hook. Um, All right. We're going to start in a weird place, and I'm going to talk about, like, something that might not seem all that normal at first. But it's going to be okay. Why do we want to hear from God? There are a lot of reasons. We all all start in a different place of why we want to hear God speak to us. Some people don't want to hear God speak to you. Um, but even before that, why do we communicate at all? What's the purpose of communication? Everybody hear me in the back? I don't really need this, but it's kind of fun, so we'll pretend. Um, why do we communicate? Okay, it depends on the kind of relationship we have with the individual that we're communicating with, okay? So there's, there's two ki- types of relationships in this analogy I'm setting up. Um, One is a business relationship and one is a personal relationship. In a business relationship, the primary purpose of communication is information, okay? Uh, Somebody you're communicating with in a business way, you are communicating information. You need to tell them, this is what I need you to do, or this is how we collectively need to do this task in order to get our job done. And then you go to the boss and say, boss, this is what we did or didn't do. And the boss says, okay, well, this now is what you need to do next. And it's information, back and forth. That's the primary purpose of communication in a business relationship. In a personal relationship, the purpose is very different. In a personal relationship, hi, girl. In a personal relationship, the purpose of communication is the relationship itself, intimacy. Okay? In a personal relationship, the primary purpose of communication is to get to know the other person better. And information can help you get to know someone, but it doesn't really help you get to know them as a person. Like, gentlemen here in the middle. What are three things you did yesterday? Help move stuff in my basement. Thank you for that. Played with my children. Did homework. All right. Two out of three of those are especially good. Um, thank you. Now, you know three things that Blake did yesterday, but how much better do you actually know Blake now as a person? Not really that much better. You know information about him, but you don't really know who Blake is. I know a lot about Napoleon. I studied Napoleon. I read books about Napoleon. I wrote papers about Napoleon. I pretended to dress up like Napoleon once. I came in on my knees, and it was really funny. Um, (laughs) I won't do it now, because it'd be dumb. But Learning about someone doesn't necessarily mean you know them any better. Okay, I've never met Napoleon because my time machine broke right before I was going to go and see him. I've never met Napoleon. I know a lot about him, but I don't know him personally. We don't have any relationship whatsoever. 
So information about someone only helps you a little bit. In order to really have a personal relationship with someone, you need to focus not just on information. Hi, baby. What is wrong with your forehead? Did you fall down? Oh, somebody's kissing on you. That's okay. A little bit. Um, so, <laughs> the primary purpose, sorry, I was, fatherhood comes before service. So I had to pause there for just a second. The primary purpose of communication in a personal relationship is intimacy. And how much you know about someone doesn't necessarily help you get to know them any better. Um, let's move on. Our relationship with God is kind of complex. Um, and knowing about God isn't the same as knowing God, right? Um, I don't know if, you know, those of you who are college students or were in college at some point, um, some of my college professors in religion were not, didn't know God at all. They knew the Bible really well. They taught the Bible. They studied the Bible. They could hermeneutically dance around me all day long. They knew a lot about the Bible, a lot about God. They did not know God at all. They were not Christians. They said, I'm an atheist, and I'm a New Testament scholar, and that's my job. So they studied the Bible like you would study Aristotle or poetry. And so they knew a lot about God and who God claimed to be, but they did not know God personally at all, which means they gain nothing, right? Because knowing about someone doesn't really get you anywhere. You have to actually know them. Remember, uh, Jesus in Matthew 7 is saying, um, someday at the great throne judgment at the end of time, he's going to be judging everybody, okay? And people are going to come up and say, Lord, we prophesied in your name, and we cast out demons, and we did all these miracles, and Jesus is going to say what? Depart from me. I never knew you. So knowing about somebody versus knowing them, two very different things. And service versus relationship with God, two very different things. And we're going to get back to that in a second. So our relationship with God is complex. God is simultaneously father. He is friend or brother. He is lover. He is master or Lord. And he is almighty God. God is all five of those things to us all the time. Okay? Father, friend, lover, master, almighty God five different relationships. So it can get a little complex. It can get a little confusing when we try to listen to God because we're not necessarily always sure which of these aspects of his uh, relationship with us he's working in. Because if God is speaking to us as master, the proper response is yes, sir, and to go do it. But if God is speaking to us as father, our response might be different. You understand what I'm saying? <coughs> Excuse me. Now, of those five relationships, only one of them is a business relationship, the master-servant one. Father, friend, lover, master, that's kind of a business relationship, master-servant, boss, underling, and then almighty God. The other ones are all relational, all relational aspects of our relationship with God. Now, at any given point, God might be acting more in one of those areas than he is in others. At one point in your life, God may be revealing to himself primarily as father, 
okay? At another point, he may be really getting you into worship and in, into the awe and the majesty of God, and it's the almighty God aspect of him that he's really revealing to you more. Um, and that often happens for various seasons because that's part of the relationship that God is trying to grow us in at that time. But all five of those things are always there. They're always active. Um, and sometimes we think other Christians are weird or wrong or different because they tend to relate to God better in one of those ways than others and maybe different than we do. But they're all God, okay? Father, friend, lover, master, almighty God. He's all those things to us all the time. And it helps to try to ask God, okay, God, which hat are you wearing right now? Are you, are you wearing the father hat? And I just need to receive your love. I don't need to respond or do anything or perform. I just need to receive and learn, maybe be corrected or disciplined. Is that what I'm supposed to be doing now? Or are you being master and you're actually giving me an instruction which I need to go and do? What, what, how are you speaking to me right now? So it's not just a matter of learning to hear a voice of God. It's learning to recognize it. What is it that God's saying? And how is God speaking to you right now? Um, that's part of the complexity of this. And so, you know, if we don't always feel like we can totally hear from God and know exactly what he means, that's okay. It's a little complex. But remember, you know, we're God's kids. We're God's little children. And when we go somewhere we're not supposed to go or do something that other people find annoying or distracting, God doesn't kick us in the face and tell us to get out of here, you know, because we serve happy, loving Jesus, not angry God. Okay? Everybody with me on that? Okay, God isn't a big, mean old man in the sky with a stick waiting for us to screw up. And as soon as we step off that path, bam, he hits us with the big God stick. A lot of us have that angry God in our head. And that's not the God that we worship and adore. That's not the God that we read about in this book. Okay, that is a God of this world, but it's not ours. It's not ours. God loves us, and yes, he corrects us, he disciplines us, but he's not just sitting around waiting for us to screw up so that he can punish us. That's not who God is. That's not what, what he wants to do. So our relationship with God is complex, and how God speaks to us is going to depend on which aspect of that relationship he's working in at that particular time. Now, of those five relationships, I said only one of them is really businessy, the master-servant relationship. I think that's the one that probably most Christians are most familiar with we tend to operate pretty comfortably in the master-servant relationship. Uh, God is my Lord. I am his servant. We understand that. We're comfortable with that, especially in America, because being a servant involves doing. And in America, we like to do. Do, 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 do. Okay, when it comes to being, and when it comes to things that are inside, we tend to shy away from those. We don't understand them. We're frightened of them, whatever. We want to be big, tough pioneers who chop down trees, build houses, tame wildernesses, gather beasts, and err, okay? That's still, that's still part of our DNA. That's who we are as Americans. We want to do, do, do. And being is more important, which we're going to get back to in a minute. Um, God wants to speak to us. He actually does. He actually likes us. He wants us to learn how to hear his voice, and we can do it. But most of us spend most of our listening on the master-servant relationship. It's about doing. In other words, most of us probably have more of a businessy relationship with God than a personal one. Okay, The business relationship seeks information. 
It says, okay, God, I want to serve you today. What would you like me to do? How can I do this better? How can I bless this person? What can I do in this instance? What can I do in that instance? He tells us, we do it. We say, thank you, that was awesome, next. Also, could you bless this, that I need a new car, and this and that. It's information back and forth, okay? It could easily be texted. We could have a textual-only relationship with God, most of us, and it wouldn't really change much. That's bad, folks. <laughs> I love texting, don't get me wrong. But, but that's not really a relationship. That's only information back and forth. Um, God wants more than that from us. He wants to have a personal relationship with us. Father, friend, lover, almighty God. These are personal in nature. So 80% of God's relationship with us is personal, not business. But most of us, when we talk about, I want to hear the little voice of God, we're talking about the master-servant thing. We're not talking about God as father or friend or lover or as almighty God. And those are the areas that God primarily wants to speak to us. So if you're taking notes, write this down or not. Um, one of the main reasons we don't hear God speak is because we're asking him the wrong questions. It's not that God doesn't want to answer us. It's that we're asking things that are invalid. I have an iPhone as of two weeks ago, and I'm in love with Siri, and I ask her questions all the time. And once in a while, she's like, I, 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 that's not a question I can understand. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. I can't do that. Okay, and sometimes those are our prayers to God. You know, we're saying, God, speak to me only in this area of my life so that I can get on with serving you because that's what I'm created for, right? Not true, by the way. And so we're saying, God, do this. God's like, yeah, that's not what I want to do. It's not that I'm not wanting to talk to you. It's that I don't want to talk to you about that. I want you to ask me other questions. I want to I be more for you than just your boss. I want to be more than that. The reason you were created is not to serve God. Crickets. <laughs> crickets. Wow. Wow, crickets. You were not created to serve God. Genesis 1 through Revelation 22. Read it. We are not created to serve God. God has angels for that. They're way better at it than you. They got wings and everything. Okay? Angels are way better at serving than you. God didn't create us to serve. He created us to love him. What is the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God. Love the Lord, not serve the Lord your God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second commandment is to love your neighbor. Okay? First, God. Second, others. Service. Everybody with me? Don't have to agree. Just beyond the train that we're going on. Um, God created us to love him. Now, is loving him, does, does that include service? Sure. Part of our relationship with God is master-servant. That's going to be part of it. Serving is good. Don't hear me say serving is bad. Don't hear me say information is bad. That's great. I'm just saying we're focusing mostly on the 20% and not the 80. That's what I'm talking about, okay? Information from God is great. Serving God is great. Everybody knows serving God is great. Finding out what your gifts are, operating in those gifts, seeing God, the privilege of God working through you, a silly little person that you are, to actually bless somebody else is amazing and awesome and wonderful and fulfilling, but that's not why you were created. Primarily. You were primarily created to love God, to be with God, and to be in relationship with him. 
That is the priority. That is the most important thing. That is your purpose in being. God didn't create you because he wanted more servants. He had angels. Why did he need servants on a world full of nothing? What did he need them to do? Hello? What did God need? What does God ever need? Nothing. He's God. He's the self-sufficient one. He's perfectly content all by himself because he's God because he has God all the time with him. However that works. <laughs> like we could even pretend to understand. Um, God created us because he desired to have a relationship. Okay? That's why we were created. Otherwise, he would have made robots. Robots are much better servants. They don't question. They don't quibble. They don't do selfish things instead of the things they're supposed to do. They follow orders perfectly. God did not make robots. We will make robots to serve us until they overthrow us, but that's because our <laughs> we're made in the image of God but tainted by sin. Um, <laughs> that's a whole other prophetic message for later. Uh, <laughs> 2019, Siri and Google have a baby named Omnius, and it takes over the world. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Sell everything you have and buy gold and bury it in the... Uh, I'm totally making fun of other people right now, so just disregard the last one minute. <laughs> Entirely. God created you for the purpose of being with him, of having a relationship with him, not primarily to serve him. Serving him is great, but that's not the main reason why we were created. Everybody with me? Perhaps you have read Mary and Martha, Luke chapter 10, 38-ish. Okay? You remember that story, Mary and Martha? Jesus goes to visit his best buds, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, and Bethany. He's chilling out. Lazarus is probably at work because he's not in the scene. And uh, Martha is doing the proper thing, the, the good thing. The, the work thing, and she's saying, okay, I'm going to serve. I'm gonna s Jesus is here. I'm going to serve him. So she's in the kitchen. So she's making some food. She's got the Galilee walleye sandwich on the grill. She's almost done with it. Mary, what is Mary doing? Nothing. She's sitting on her butt doing nothing. Jesus is on the couch, and she's just like, hey, Jesus, how's it going? And she's just chilling out. That's it. She's chilling with Jesus. Martha's in the kitchen slaving away all by herself. Now, we tend to be Martha a lot. And this is what happens to Martha. See if it reminds you of yourself in any way. First, she gets really, really frustrated at Mary. And she said, she says, this other Christian isn't doing what they're supposed to do. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. And they're not. And I'm getting really mad at them. If they would only do what they're supposed to do, everything would be all right. And then she gets mad at God. And she said, God, why aren't you doing what you're supposed to do? You should tell her that she needs to get off her butt and come here and help me make the sandwiches. She gets, she's serving God. That's her priority. Number one, service. Mary's number one, God. Everybody with me? Two different paradigms. Service to God, relationship with God. Martha said, Martha's priority is service, and, and that is unfulfilling. That is ultimately not what God created us for. And so if we live our life with service as number one, we will not be fulfilled because we're not supposed to be. And so we, got, we get frustrated. We get frustrated at other people who aren't doing the right thing like we are. 
we get really religious, we tend to get legalistic, we get mad at other Christians. And then we get mad at God. Because eventually we, we have to admit to ourselves that God isn't doing what we feel like he should do. God, I've been praying for this forever, and I've been doing this, and I've been doing all the right stuff. Why aren't you doing what you're supposed to do? I would be surprised if anybody here has never thought that. And it's okay to think that, by the way. Read the Psalms. David thinks that kind of stuff. He yells at God. He does all that. God's really big. He can handle it. It's okay. He already knows what you're thinking. You're not going to surprise him by yelling at him. So it's all right. All right. Back to the story. So Martha comes in, and she actually vocalizes this. She scolds the Son of God and says, why don't you tell Mary to get in here and help me, Jesus? She's yelling at God. It's hilarious, right? Okay? And... Jesus is so nice, and he's kind, and he's just like, you know, Martha, you're, you're worried, and you're upset about all this stuff, but in the end, only a few things matter, and actually, bottom line, one, one thing matters, and that's what Mary is doing right now, and I'm not going to make her stop doing it, because that is the number one most important thing. Mary chose relationship with God before service to God, and Jesus said, that was right. He doesn't say service is bad. He doesn't say never feed me. I'm sure he was going to get hungry eventually. But he didn't like Martha's attitude of saying that you can't spend any more time with God. You have to come here and serve. He liked Mary's attitude of saying, you're, you're first. I want to sit with you. And, you know, when you tell me you're hungry, I'll go make you a sandwich. But in the meantime, here I am. <laughs> Relationship with God, number one. Everybody with me? That's our priority. A lot of times we say, God is number one in my life. And what we mean is, I led a small group this week, and I did some outreach, and I talked to somebody about Jesus who had never heard about him before, and I did this, and I did, 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 serve, 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 serve. So God's number one in my life. No, service is number one in your life. Everybody with me? This, this is hard. I know, I know sometimes it's hard, but, but, but it's true, and it's helpful. God himself wants to be number one in your life. The relationship with God himself, Martha over Mary, that should be number one in your life. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Mary Martha, thank you. Yes, Mary over Martha. Thank you, thank you. Love the Lord your God, then love your neighbor as yourself. You know, and within neighbors, there's priorities as well. Obviously, your family comes first. Those are the people God has put you closest to, then your friends and your coworkers, and then everybody else. So there's priorities within that as well. But we're not talking about that right now. Um, everybody kind of with me? Get, getting the, the gist of it? I know I spent a lot of time on that, but I think it's important. Um, so relationship with God is what he's primarily after because he wants a personal relationship with us. He doesn't primarily want a business relationship with us. He wants not just to give us information so that we can serve him better. He wants to talk to us about himself to talk to us about us. He wants to spend time with us for no other reason than just to spend time with us. Because he likes us. So let's not use God strictly as our supernatural search engine. God, Google, what do you want me to do? Answer, yes. I, I, in, in college, I always wanted God to use email. I thought that would be the best if God used email. It would be so easy, so efficient. It would save me a lot of time in my life. I, and I would be certain that I'd be doing what God wanted me to do, right? 
because we all want to be good servants. That's the aspect of the, our relationship with God that is usually, for whatever reason, the most accessible to us. And so we really want to be God's servants out of thankfulness and out of all good reasons. Okay? Being a servant is great. Don't feel like I'm beating up servants. I'm not. That's good. But I want a God to use email, and he doesn't. Right? I, I've never gotten if, if you've gotten an email from God, I'd like to talk to you later. Because um, that'd be sweet. God could use email, couldn't he? God can do, you know, anything. God could definitely use email. He doesn't. That means he doesn't want to. Why doesn't God want to use email? Because it would destroy <laughs> our relationship with him. If he sent us, this is what I want you to do, and we responded, all right, I'll do it. Clarifying question, answer, excellent, did it. Next request, on. That's all we would ever be. That's all we would ever be with God. We would be text buddies. We would be email companions. We would be acquaintances, co-workers, digitally. <laughs> and uh, we often treat our prayer life like that. That's often our prayer life. It's essentially prayer emails, back and forth, text to God. That's not what God wants from us because that requires no relationship at all. Okay, That's why God doesn't use email. God wants us to come to him. Okay, Just like I need my kids to eat their vegetables before they get the yummy thing they want, Okay, so because the vegetables are good for them, that's what they really need. And then they can have the yummy thing after they eat that. In the same way, God needs us to draw unto him and to come to him and pursue that relationship. And then he gives us the yummy stuff that we're after, the stuff that we think we need. Hearing from God, the charismatic gifts, power, anointing, authority, favor. Those are good things. Don't get me wrong. But those are the things we think we want and need most of all, when in fact, what we really need is God himself. God knows that we're like this. He invented the brain. He invented psychology. He knows exactly how we think and exactly how we are. And so he says, in order to get this stuff that's awesome, that you really care about, you have to come to me because that's what you need most of all. You need me. You need God himself, your relationship with God himself to get stronger, to grow, to increase, to pull on my microphone cord. <laughs> what are you doing, you silly baby? All right, I'm beating horses that have expired. <laughs> let's let's uh, do a little discussy thing. Not disgusting thing, discussy, like discuss with one another. Um, let's break up into groups of like three or four people that are near us and discuss this. How might your communication with God differ if you were more interested in seeking intimacy than information? How might your relationship with God differ if you were more concerned with seeking intimacy than just information. Ponder that, break up with three or four people right next to you, discuss this, and then we're gonna come back and talk some more. Yeah, how would your relationship differ if you sought God for intimacy versus just information? Ready, discuss.
I'll go do more have people break up probably one more time like this. Mm -hmm. And then maybe I'll just have them pray for each other. Like I can do I think that's corporate cool. prayer and then have them just minister to each other. I like it. Okay. I just, they, she just I asked me to make an announcement about Lydia Howard. So we're here. Um, they'll pray for each other and then I'll I'll jump up and Great. About one more minute, one more minute of fellowship, that's it. Okay, Kaylee, Kaylee, we don't hold this, okay? We don't play with the cord, okay, baby girl?
All right, let's bring it back up front. Attention back to me. Stop focusing on each other and God and listen to me, everybody. Everybody focus on me. I, I need, I need your, your focus and your love. Listen to the speaker with all your heart and soul. Just kidding. All right, we're going to keep going. I realize I said the same thing for 20 minutes straight. Okay, I'm aware of that. I also know that it was not particularly earth-shattering in Revelation because it's kind of obvious. Paul would call that this milky stuff, you know. But I think it's one of those things that we just need to hear over and over and over and over again because sometimes in our zeal for serving God, in our zeal for producing fruit a hundredfold, all of which are great things, right? But sometimes in our zeal for that, we let God slip by the wayside. We don't want to be like the Laodicean church that forgot their first love for the sake of doing all the stuff, okay? All right, now I've talked about that for 21 minutes. All right, um, hearing the voice of God is the actual topic for today. Um, we talked about how there's a difference between a business relationship and a personal relationship. One seeks information, one seeks the relationship itself, intimacy, which is what God is primarily after because that's why he created us, to have a relationship with him. Um, another thing about intimate communication that sometimes makes us miss what God is saying, one of the reasons why we don't hear from God as much as we want is because intimate communication is largely nonverbal. Intimate communication is largely nonverbal, not words. When we think communication, we think words. I'm saying words into a mic which magically gets louder and people hear my words and they understand my words up here in their brain place, right? That's what we think of as communication. But communication is much bigger than that. Not just with us and God, but with us and each other. Um, if somebody were to walk into this room in the back right now and we say, hey, how you doing? And they say the word fine. One word, fine. What does that mean? Verbally, they've given us four letters, one word, fine. Non-verbally, who knows what it means, right? It totally depends on the situation. And so we have to rely on non-verbal cues to understand what fine actually means. How are they saying it, for example? Inflection, tone of voice. Are they saying fine? Are they saying fine? Fine. <laughs> fine. How are they saying it? Right? Tone of voice, sounds that aren't actually words. <sighs> I'm doing fine. You know? Maybe they're just super tired. Maybe they're really upset. Nonverbal communication is huge. And in intimate relationship, nonverbal communication becomes extremely important, sometimes even more important than the words themselves. And that is one of the reasons why sometimes we don't feel like God is speaking to us, because he's speaking to us in ways that are deeper than words. And we're not perceiving them, because we are only listening with our brains. And God wants us to listen with our whole being. And so we are missing it. We are missing the nonverbal communication that God is giving us. Um, the closer you have in, the closer you are in relationship with somebody, the more nonverbal communication becomes important, right? Let's say the person who comes in the back of the room and says, fine, says, fine. Well, if you know that person and you know that they're really sarcastic, they're probably actually having a great day. They're just being funny. If you don't know that person, you're like, they're not not doing fine. It depends on the relationship. 
So the closer you are with someone, the more nonverbal communication is going to become important. For someone to whom you are very, very close, spouse, significant other, child, best friend, you're going to be able to sense nonverbal things from them all the time, even if they're not saying anything. Okay, have you ever been at a party with someone or, or some sort of bigger situation where there's a lot of people there? Somebody you know really well is on the other side of the room, and you're like, wow, they are really, really upset right now. They're not saying anything. They're not swearing. Their face isn't going, Rrr. I mean, nothing about the way they look or sound would say to most people, I'm upset. But you know them so well that you know they're upset. And that's not a supernatural thing. That's just the five senses working together in really small ways that we can't really perceive with our brain and put a word to. But through relationship, we learn how other people act, how they are. And so we know by the relationship, that person's really upset. I should pray for them or maybe I should get them out of that conversation or something, you know, because we know them. No one else would get it. Everybody with me? Experienced that sort of thing before? How many of you, you know, especially if you're married, your spouse walks into the room. All they do is walk into the room and you go, oh, crap. What happened? What did I do? What did somebody else do? Has she told me to do the same thing three times now and I keep saying, yeah, 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 and I don't even remember it? What is going on? Am I watching something on TV and not listening? Like, what is happening, right? And they haven't said a word, but we know. Have you ever experienced that? Every man in the room has experienced it, clearly. But most of the women probably have as well. That's intimate relationship. We know someone so well that they don't have to say a thing, and they communicate something to us, okay? Um, God is like that in his communication with us, because we're not just a brain. We're a whole person. And God's not just going to communicate through words. He's not just going communi to communicate to our brains. He's going to communicate to our whole bodies. Um, my son, Andrew, who's around here, running somewhere, breaking balloons, um, five years old. Typically, he is rather inquisitive. By that, I mean he's constantly asking questions and seeking information from his dad, which is okay. That's part of the father role. And, but sometimes, for no reason, he just climbs up into daddy's lap and just snuggles in. He's very snuggly for a boy. So am I, so it's really great. And he sits on my lap, and I love that. That's one of my favorite times of the whole day is when Andrew climbs up in my lap and just sits there. He doesn't seek anything from me. He's not there with an agenda. He doesn't want to know anything. He's not talking. He's doing absolutely nothing. He's sitting with Dad. And he is communicating something through that, isn't he? He's communicating that he wants to be with me. He desires contact touch. He desires love. And I'm communicating to him. I'm communicating that I am your father. I protect you. I am here for you. I love you. You don't, I, you don't need to give me anything for me to love you. I am, I'm just here for you. Communication is happening right there in a very intimate setting, and it's nonverbal, completely nonverbal. Okay? That is the way our Heavenly Father sometimes wants to relate to us. Just as I, as a father, relate to my son in that way. And God wants more of that from us. Sometimes God wants our times with him to just be about him and not us. Sometimes he wants our quiet times to be quiet. <laughs> I mean, how many times do, is our quiet time? All right, God, how's it going this morning? Good to see you. Wrote prayer, I pray every day. I'm going to read this book now about you. Stand by. 
I like what you did here. That's, that's excellent. <laughs> I don't understand this part here, but that's, you know, whatever. All right, awesome. Great quiet time, Lord. Thanks. See you later. I got to go to work. Yay, quiet time. We're way closer to God now, right? We're so close to Jesus because of that quiet time. I'm not saying quiet times are bad, obviously. I'm not saying reading Christian books, devotionals, the Bible. That's all good. Okay, that's all good. But maybe instead of always reading a book about God, we should just be with God who's right here all the time. Everybody with me? God is right here. He wants to just be with us. Sometimes God's like, yeah, put the book down. Put the book down and just climb up in my lap for a few minutes because I want to hug you and I want to love you and you're just running around doing stuff all the time and yepping, yepping, yepping. And I have little kids, so I know how humans are like in God's eyes. And God's like, yeah, just quiet down. Mute button. Quiet. Climb in my lap. Let's snuggle for a minute. Okay? Everybody with me? Just viewing my kids up here, you can probably get some sense for this. Um, so nonverbal communication is huge. God wants to communicate with us in ways that are deeper than words, Paul says. Okay? The spirit speak, speaks through our spirit, groans and utterings that are too deep for words. These are the kind of things that God wants to do. A perfectly valid prayer is, God, ugh, that is a wonderful prayer. You don't have to use words. That conveys everything that is in you, and you just, ah! God gets that. That's totally a great prayer. You don't have to, you know, pin two Bible references to the back of it and then sum up with an amen and amen. Hallelujah. You know? Ah! God, come on. It's a great prayer. God gets it. He's right here. You don't have to explain to God how you're feeling. You don't have to explain to God what's going on. He knows. He just wants you to say it in ways that sometimes aren't even words. God loves to communicate with us in the same way. And so sometimes God emotes to us instead of speaking with words. Sometimes God touches our bodies. Sometimes God touches our wills. Because we're more than just a brain, okay? We're body, soul, and spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5, body, soul, spirit, and soul can usually be broken down further into mind, will, and emotions. So we're body, soul, spirit, mind, will, emotions, okay? Now, God can speak to our bodies. He can speak to our will. He can speak to our emotions. He can speak to our spirits. He can speak to our minds, of course, but also all the others. Everybody with me? So God wants to communicate with you in all these different ways, but we tend to only listen to words because... We are all children of the enlightenment, and we worship the brain, and we worship intellect, and we think that is the most important thing. And so the best thing a Christian can possibly do is to intellectually understand God, and preferably also articulate that perfectly to someone else, if you're an evangelical. Okay? That's not true, by the way. That's not the ultimate end-all, be-all of Christianity. It's about relationship, because the brain isn't the most important thing, and God is going to speak to you in all these ways. A lot of us who tend to come from charismatic areas probably experience God speaking to our emotions from time to time, especially in worship. Maybe you're worshiping and almighty God, that aspect of God, the almighty God himself just reveals himself to you in a, in a way that just makes you weep. You're not sad. You're not happy. You mentally have no idea why you're weeping, 
But Almighty God himself is conveying emotion to you directly, and you just weep. Because you do. You'd have to. Somebody here experienced that? Anybody? Okay, that is God communicating directly to your emotions. Okay, God can talk directly to your will. Maybe you've been in a situation where you're like, I feel like I should go talk to that person. Okay, I feel like I should. That is will. That's desire. God is giving you a desire to do something. He's speaking directly to your will. He hasn't told you in words, thus saith me, go talk to that guy. Okay? God doesn't speak in the King James. I'm just joking. Um, but he's, uh, he's impacting your, your will directly by saying, I want to go do this. Um, a few months ago, right after we moved back from Japan, so two months ago, I was with my in-laws. We were hanging out, having a good time. I was dead tired, jet lagged. Um, mom comes to pick me and the kids up. We go home. I'm nodding off in the car. All I want is my pillow. My pillow whom I love in a way that makes my wife jealous. And I just want that pillow to be with me in a relational way. And so I get home and I'm about to go to bed and something enters my will. Okay, my brain's basically off, like literally sleeping. And all that's in my will is my desire for a pillow and then something else comes into my will. Look in one of the bags you brought home. Well, fortunately, my brain was turned off, so I didn't quibble. Because if my brain were turned on, I would have been like, that's silly. I shouldn't need to look in that bag. I'm going to go to bed. Um, but fortunately, my brain was turned off, so I didn't nate the situation, and I just <laughs> obeyed. So God acted in my will. I looked in the bag, and there is my sister-in-law's purse. And in her purse is her wallet, and in her wallet is her ID, which means she cannot fly at 6 o'clock in the morning following which means she won't get to New York for the meeting that she has. So God spoke to my will because my brain was asleep, which was probably good because I might not have listened, <laughs> right? God spoke to my will. He gave me a desire that was not my own. I obeyed, thank God. I looked in there, and then my wonderful mother <laughs> drove the purse to my sister-in-law, and she got on her flight, and everything was good, okay? God can speak to us in all of these different ways, not just our brain and not just through words. Everybody with me? All right. Consult the notes. Um, we're going to do a little something together now. Um, I call it listening prayer. Um, we want to hear how to learn how to hear God's voice, right? Um, sometimes we work at it too hard. We really want to hear God's voice. And so we're like, okay, God, speak to me. Was that? No. Speak to me, Jesus. And we're working really hard to hear God's voice. And we're listening to everything. And somebody said a word to me. Is that, is that God? There's a billboard. Is that God? There, something came in the mail. Maybe Jesus is speaking to me through this mailer from Coles. And, and we're striving, striving to hear God's voice. Okay? The, the reasons are good. We want to hear God speak to us because we want to be closer. We want to serve him. That's all good. But we strive, strive, strive. The Bible does not say be striving and know that I am God. Right? The Bible says be still and know that I am God. And so sometimes we need to be still. Sometimes we need to be quiet. Americans tend to be terrible at this. We hate silence. We find it very uncomfortable because it's unproductive because all we want to do is do. Do, do, do. Build that cabin, tame the beast, Urgh, America. Okay? 
We want to do, do, do. And sometimes we need to, to turn that off and just be quiet. You know, there's some great stuff in the Psalms about this. You know, David talks about this all the time. Sometimes we need to be silent, we need to be quiet, and we just need to sit in the presence of God without a to-do list. Okay, I'm very type A, so <laughs> it's easy for me to be like, these are the eight things I want to get done today in my quiet time, and I'm going to an- analyze it, and I got a B plus today, so tomorrow we're going to try to do better. You know, um, <laughs> God's not into that so much. Um, sometimes he just wants to be with us. And so, exactly, and it's, my quiet time is this, okay, bye. So then we were like, I want to hear God's voice. And so then on the flip side, we try really hard to hear God's voice. All right, God, here's your eight seconds of silence for today. Speak. Speak. Strive, strive, strive. But the Bible said, doesn't say, be striving and know that I am God. We need to be still. We need to be quiet. Um, it's a spiritual discipline that for us Western Protestant post-enlightenment people can be very difficult to learn. Um, what I am s- proposing you do is take 90 seconds, two minutes, a few times a day, while you're doing something else maybe, while you're pouring your coffee, while you're seeing a man about a horse, while you're <laughs> talking to your boss and totally tune out, whatever, um, a f- few times throughout the day, maybe half a dozen times throughout the day for like a minute or two. Just try to shut down the talky, thinky part of your brain for just a minute and just be with God. No agenda, no striving, no listening, just the crawl up into daddy's lap and be there stuff, okay? Just crawl up into daddy's lap and be with God, God himself, the reason you were created, okay? The primary purpose of you existing in this world is your relationship with God. And so spend a few times throughout the day focusing on that. Focus on the primary reason you exist, which is to increase your relationship with God himself. So just crawl up in the daddy's lap. 90 seconds, two minutes, do it a few times a day. If you do that for a month or so, again, not legalistically, if you only do it three times one day, God's not gonna hate with his God stick because we don't serve angry God, right? Right? Okay, so it's not legalistic, but do it throughout the day, just a few times here and there, just a little bit. After a month, you're gonna see a lot of stuff happen. And this can be really helpful. I've seen this be really, really helpful for people, especially Christians, who, you know, they've been, maybe they've been following God for a little while, you know, and they find themselves kind of coming up against a wall in their relationship with God. They're just like, I feel like I can't really get any deeper. I'm not going any farther. I'm not, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm getting as close to God as I want to get. There's something in the way. I can't get past that. Anybody ever experienced that sort of thing before in your relationship with God? And it's weird and you don't know what it is. And so as Western Protestants, we tend to fill that void with stuff and striving and Martha-ness. And we say, I will go to three more prayer meetings, and I will read through the Bible in six hours, and I will do all this stuff, do, 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 okay? That's what we do, because that's all we know. That's all we know how to do. Um, We trust our brains, and we go for that. Um, But I think when we get into that point in our relationship with God, I really think we need to do the exact opposite of that, and sort of unplug and go back into Daddy's lap and focus on that, not with our brains, but let go and surrender. Like, just totally let go and totally just be with God. Crawl up into daddy's lap. Do that a few times a day for a month, and I think you will be amazed at how much better your life actually is. Like, literally, your life is actually better the more time you spend with God. That should be obvious, right? 
The more time you spend with God, the better your life gets. But it's actually practically true, quantitatively, in my opinion. I know, I'm too type A. But I think you will find a greater sense of the presence of God in your life from day to day, all the time. You will find that you can hear God more quickly, that you can recognize his voice more accurately. You can enter the presence of God much quicker than you used to be able to. You know, sometimes we try to enter into the presence of God and really dial in, and it takes a long time through distraction and through all this stuff. And that's the way it's going to be doing this exercise, too. This kind of listening prayer, it's, it's going to take a while. Don't worry about distractions. Don't worry about it. Um, but eventually, that'll get better, and that'll get easier. Um, sin will become less appetizing than it used to be. It's very interesting. Because you know what? Jesus paid for our sin already. And we don't need to strive to stop sitting. That's actually not in the Bible. God's going to take care of that for us if we yield to him. A lot of great stuff happens from spending time in the presence of God. So I highly encourage it. And we're going to try it out now just for fun. Okay? So we're going to spend like two minutes in the presence of God. Don't Think about anything, no agenda, just relax. We're just going to sit and listen, but not the striving kind of listen, just the relax, crawl up in the daddy's lap kind of listen. I, a lot of people, it helps them to sort of visualize something just to give their brains something to do during this type of a spiritual exercise. Um, I like nature, so I'm, you know, sitting on a rock by Lake Superior or something like that. Or maybe I'm just crawling up into daddy's lap. So if it helps you to visualize, go ahead and do that. But other than that, just, just sort of sit there and let the presence of God be with you. And remember, where is God? Here, right? God doesn't live in a far-off place that we need to pray for 13 hours and sing the right praise songs in the right key for him to please condescend to come down to us and touch our lives. No, God lives here. God is there. God is there, there, there all the time. 100% of the time, you can't get rid of them, no matter how hard you try. God is with you, so you don't need to seek out there for God. God's here, just bam, presence of God, okay? You're in the presence of God immediately. It's not a hard thing. Don't strive. All right, we're going to take like two minutes right now. Just close your eyes. Just be in God's presence.
All right, that was less than two minutes. Um, sometimes these silences can seem really long if we're not used to it. Um, distractions can be very frustrating, okay? But don't worry about distraction. Brother Lawrence, who wrote The Practice of the Presence of God, said that when he first started listening to God, spending time with God throughout the day like this, he was constantly distracted all the time. And as soon as he'd get rid of the distraction, he'd immediately be distracted again. So that's the way it is. Don't worry about that. Graham Cook says, if your mind wanders, just wander after it. <laughs> Bring it back. It's okay. Okay? This, there's no condemnation here. Spend time with God. Okay? If you crawl up into Daddy's lap and are distracted by playing with his beard the whole time, that's okay. God still enjoys that. Um, next week, we're going to continue this discussion on how to hear God's voice and talk about some more stuff. Um, but for now, Paul's got an announcement. Amen. Um, anybody who needs to go can go, although I will say there is no Vikings game today. So just do with that as you will. We're going to break up again into the groups we broke up into a minute ago. Um, we're going to talk about, just discuss for a couple minutes, how might your life be better if you were better at hearing God's voice? If you were better at recognizing God's voice day to day, if you, were, if you had a greater tangible experience of his presence of God, in your life regularly? How might your life be better? Discuss it for a couple minutes, and then why don't you go ahead and pray for each other? Okay? Again, take as much or as little time as you want, um, but I encourage you to pray for each other. Just pray the impartation of the presence of God on one another, and do that for as long as you want. All right, thank you.